I need to borrow your car right quick. What kind of shit is that? Most people want to borrow sugar. They even ketchup. You want to borrow my car? Hell no. Come on. Well, let me borrow a joint. You need to borrow a job with your broke ass. Always trying to smoke up somebody's shit. The hell on, Felicia. Remember that. Remember it. Write it down. Take a picture. I don't give a fuck. Quick. Bye, Felicia. Damn. Y'all stanty. <sighs> it's time for another episode of... 252. With Professor Pat, Ralphie D, and Frank G. I would not be a very good role model, and I definitely am glad that I was able to acknowledge that at an early age. It's like, uh, it's like Howie Mandel. Can you can you believe that I am someone's dad? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's when he used to blow up balloons with his head and shit, right? Yeah. Yeah, but that's probably what made him go bald, right? I was having that latex thing over his hair all those years. <laughs> Could have been. Poor Howie. I was trying to explain to somebody. Like, he used to be a really funny comedian. Like, that guy? Like, no, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at him as the suitcase guy. Yeah, ignore all the stuff that came after and most of the stuff he was doing at the same time, and just listen to this album. <laughs> Comedy stuff on a record? What's that about? <laughs> You'll get it one of these days. That's a dead market at this point, but you know, we sure loved them when we were you know, the right age. Comedy albums now, they still occasionally do, but it's like you might as well just watch the video at this point. At least yeah. a second a second set of humor out of it by listening to it and then finally seeing it to see what some of the gestures were. You know. Well, I know. Like getting more context out of stuff, yeah. Like I just recently finally saw like the the thing that became Meat Bob, and I'm like, oh, that's what he was doing right there. Okay, he's jerking <laughs> off. Okay. Well, and for me, it was Class Clown. I heard Class Clown probably 50 times before I saw it on video. Right. And to see George Carlin doing his thing long before you know having heard it. Or long after, you know, I had like this whole different image of his performance that was, you know, and some parts were spot on, obviously, because it's easy. But there's other parts where you're like, holy fucking shit, that's why it's so funny. I kind of thought that it was funny, but it's not that funny. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so sometimes they do. There's a visual bit you need on a couple of those. All right, cool. George, another dude, like, man, how can Rufus be dead? How can we do Bill and Ted 3? And, uh, shit, I still have to go see Straight Outta Compton. I haven't, uh, I haven't had a chance yet. <laughs> All I'm hearing is good, good, good. And, uh, I know they made a bunch of money, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think I made them go to the theater and see it. They need to give, uh, give the Easy e whoever the guy, I think his name is Jason Mitchell, but uh, they need to give him an award for being Easy e Oh, yeah, he, he did a great job, huh? Yeah, he doesn't look or sound like 100% like him. Like, you go, oh, wow, you know. But like he's, he plays the role, and you forget, like, about 30 seconds in that it's not easy, and you just accept it and go with it. Good, good. That's it. He's got the personality for sure, you know. Yeah, I, I hate uh, you're taken out of a movie. I mean, you know, we grew up with uh, these images and... Um, 
who they are, what they did, exactly how they sound, and those images and sounds are just burned into our psyche. And yeah, and they, they the all character did. is. They all did a good job of like they did. If you look at a picture, you're like, okay, yeah, they kind of sort of look like them a little bit. But yeah, when they're actually doing it, you're like, oh yeah, you don't even you don't even think about it. Like you know, Ice Cube Jr. It's like shit. How'd they get old Ice Cube in this movie? <laughs> no doubt. Or now they have yeah. they can go in and they can uh, they can remake Boys in the Hood. They can remake Friday One, Two, and Three, <laughs> you know, just with new Ice Cube. <laughs> yeah, and he'll have the foresight not to you know go the kitty family route. He can just keep making gangster movies. <laughs> Right. Well, his dad does pretty so. Oh man. So uh, no, no big uh, news coming out from that way. No shootings or any shit like that in the theaters. No, everybody kept it cool. It's, uh, it was more concerned about some, you know, older racist guy shooting than anybody having the gang violence, you know. But so it seems mm-hmm. like uh, it seems like everybody has kept themselves calm this week. So that's cool. They have other things to be concerned with, I guess. Plus, yeah, the well, thing that's funny is like. You know, for the movie about, you know, NWA and the gangsters and all the horrible violence that they used to talk about and so on and so forth, I don't think there's any gunshots in the entire film. So, you know. (laughs) And if there are, they come from police during one of the sort of like, you know, riot scenes or something. And that's the only time, if there's any at all. All right. Yeah, I'm hearing really good stuff, uh, like Oscar worthy. yeah, it's um, now here like fucking Oprah is like, oh, it was a powerful movie and it's important for black people and so on and so forth. I'm like, wait a minute, Oprah. I remember when that record came out and you were like, fucking kill these guys, they're ruining the world, you know. Now their yeah. now their movie yeah. is powerful and strong. Like, yeah, it, so was their record, but you didn't see that, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, Dre made a billion dollars, but that's where he started from. So. You know, the message was still there back then. They were saying the same thing. Oh, yeah. They they started him out homeless in that movie, too. So, you know, they don't hide the fact. Oh, I see Dee Barnes is in the news talking about, you know, well, they didn't have a scene in there where he beat my ass. I'm like, well, why would he put that scene in this movie? You know, like it was surprising enough when he let Eminem rap about it a few years ago. Shit. You gonna take advice from somebody who slapped Dee Barnes? What you say? What's wrong? Didn't think I remember? I'm gonna kill you. They said that they, they cut almost an hour out because the movie was like four hours long. So we'll probably see that anyway when the DVD or whatever Blu-ray comes out. Yeah, I, I kind of hope they touch on it. You know, that's fine. Give us the whole truth. That's all good. They speed up the end a lot because he's trying to focus like directly on just NWA. So when things got to be like between Dre and Easy, but didn't involve the other guys, they don't talk about that, you know, and stuff like that. So there's a, there's a, it's actually a time skip that fucks up if you know what they're doing there, where something happens where something comes out at the wrong time entirely, just so they could speed up the process. But okay, but it it works. You just have to ignore a little bit of like, well, hey, wait a minute, that's chronologically incorrect. They put in a lot of things that you would expect them to leave out. So. 
So that's always good. I, I, they, oh, yeah. they definitely, I figured for sure a few things that they say, well, they're never going to, you know, point this out. And then they did and like, oh, wow, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So they weren't hiding too much. All right. All right. Cool. Cool. All kinds of thumbs up from the, from the guys and the crew too. So, uh, I'm definitely going to get on the bandwagon soon. And uh, yeah, numerous very fine women on display a, a couple times, so that's good, too. Oh, yeah, all right. I am uh, A-OK, the more the merrier on the titty front. Well, except yeah, that, that's that. what killed easy, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm not trying to, you know... Do as much work as Easy did. <laughs> yeah, wanna, that's be, that's a different level of that right there again, like we were talking about before. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's crazy though. His wife stayed, uh, you know, HIV free, and you know he was bringing some shit home. Maybe she like just dodged the bullet. Well, it's it's you know, even if you have someone who has it, it's still not entirely sure that you will. So yeah, but. Uh, yeah, that's true. She might have also been making him fucking put on rubbers at home. <laughs> so I know, I know what you been. You might, but but they were. She was pregnant too. So if she was pregnant and hadn't been, maybe they hadn't been having sex for six, seven months. You know, I don't know how oh, long right. that, that takes to kill you. Yeah, that's true. Damn. Yep. So let's see what else is going down. You know what? Shit, I still haven't watched the um, the Daredevil on uh netflix yet <laughs> forgetting about it. yeah i never bothered to go back and watch it either a lot of people said it was cool though it's just that i was like nah not what i was looking for maybe someday uh-huh. maybe i'll be in a mood to watch something like that and i'll go oh yeah i'll watch daredevil oh yeah i know i heard it's super violent and stuff but they're apparently they're getting a whole bunch of ducks in a row for uh some more shows that are coming out i mean you know those characters that we didn't really care about, but, you know, at least it's some Marvel shit. <laughs> yeah, they got the Punisher coming on there this year, I guess. So, you know, it's just going to get more brutally violent, you know. Yeah, that's true. He doesn't come in to lighten the mood, usually. <laughs> Unless he's in an Archie comic. <laughs> right, but then with the Punisher around, I would expect brutal violence, you know. So that, that makes a little more sense anyway. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Daredevil, I mean, he wasn't brutal in the comic until, if, if I'm remembering correctly, until those Frank Miller years when it got real brutal. But I just, uh, I can appreciate the realism that they're trying to uh, achieve in the whole thing. I mean, you're going to fight for real, you're going to get it fucked up. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Happen, so. But even yeah. with the... Uh... Even the Frank Miller books at the time, 80, 81, 82, whatever, that, uh, you know, they were brutal in a comic code friendly sort of way. They still could only go so right. far, you know. But, uh, yeah, that's I mean, the books they have now are like, holy shit, you know, like, like, wow, that's ridiculous. I wouldn't, I don't think this is really something I would give a kid, you know. Yeah, but, I'm I, I haven't picked up a comic in a while. Uh, are you talking about even like the uh, even uh, our titles that we liked, or just like independent not, stuff? Not all of them, but well, first of all, even within Marvel, they have certain R-rated, you know, segments where like, well, these Punisher comics are are rated mature or whatever, and are not for people under seventeen. So they have their own thing of that. But just in the regular books, like there was some. Uh, 
one of these Avengers books not too long ago. Somebody posted a, a page from the other day, and you know, somebody smashes a skull, you know, a dude's head in with a with a hammer like Thor's, and just splat, and you know, like you see like teeth and head and brain and stuff going all across the whole full page panel, and like holy shit, man. You know that that yeah. that wouldn't have been allowed in an indie comic in the '80s. They'd have been like that would have been on the top shelf behind the little barricade and stuff. Now it's just in the right. main, mainstream Marvel Avengers, you know, tie into the movie or something. Like fuck, you know, I, don't, I don't remember that scene. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would rather see a titty than that. I mean, I'm not offended or anything by brutal violence. I hell, I enjoy it. But can we loosen up a little bit and show some titties and? Know, curb the violence a little bit. It's that's crazy how weird stuff has gotten. That's one of those things Europeans, I think, have right. You know, they show titties on TV. Let's show some titties on TV. Come on. Well, especially here now, where you know, like we keep talking about, the shows they're showing. You know, like the Hannibal show had you know ten times the gore that any of his movies could have ever pulled off, and so on. It's like they, they're pretty permissive as far as that goes. And language, they're getting fairly permissive. Though there's a couple of, yeah. uh, you know, they like uh, like Mr. Robot. They censor f words. You know, they don't let them say fuck. Although they say it, but they just mute it. It's but, crazy. Yeah, I, I keep forgetting that it's on USA, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mine, mine came from the internet, so I didn't know care what network it was. But yeah, same idea. You're like, oh, this is, you know, they say this. But uh, I thought it was really stupid in one the other day I was watching, and they, you know, they say shit, they edit out fuck. Yep. But then a right. dude, a dude was like, "Well, I'm on the phone with these cocksuckers, and they're pulling the same shit," you know. And then they muted fuck. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, you're halfway there at least, <laughs> For, uh, further than halfway there. Like, so are, are we at just one word left that you can't say at this point? Because like, you know. Like of George Carlin seven, I think that you know I, he pretty much got most of them in there. You know, well, fucking motherfucker, still kind of the same one. Same thing, yeah. And the c the c word, I don't think they're uh, pulling that one out just yet. But I've heard, uh, I, I'm sure I've heard like twat and it, shit like that. So. You'll hear you'll hear that one from a woman first. One of the like female comedians will bit on, onto something. I mean, we've heard it on uncensored things, obviously, but. You know, like Sarah yeah. Silverman will say it on a talk show someday, and it'll become an empowerment thing for Oprah. <laughs> but think about the children. Well, you know, kids are probably good. they're cussing around each other. Just don't curse around adults and in professional situations, and <laughs> you'll be all right. Who cares about the cursing if they're watching someone's head get smashed? <laughs> you know, it's like you got to pick your battles. Yeah, you're right about that. I agree. Way too much violence out there. They used to bitch about our violence when we were kids, like, you know, the fucking Dukes of Hazard was too violent, or, you know, the Batman show was right. too violent and stuff, because it said, pow, when he got punched, you know? know right. Not a lick of blood, though. That's, I, I think that's kind of what, um, as long as there's no blood, then it's okay. Like, um, I heard with the movie Sin City, they were able to get away with so much of the blood and violence in there because the blood wasn't red. But, right. I mean, it was still implied blood. I mean, you know, people are still getting effed up. I mean, there's still gore and stuff. But, you know, they, they were able to get away with so much. And, like I said, I was fine with it. I'm, I'm okay with violence. But let's uh, 
you know, it, it, it's just mostly those rules just seem real arbitrary. Well, especially the movie rules. Did you ever see that? Uh, God, what the hell is the name of that movie called? This film is not yet rated. I think is what it's called. It's a documentary about the MPAA rating system. Right, yeah. Uh, a bunch of random housewives and bullshit that have no business, you know. I mean, one or two of those people would be good, but add in six or seven other groups of people that aren't, you know, boring housewives. That would be a little bit better at making decisions like that, you know. Yeah. I mean, are these, like, highly educated people that know what the effects are? And Yeah, sort of. But they're like, you know, when you go to the mall and they say, excuse me, would you like to take this survey? You know, there are people who said yes and really enjoyed it enough to explore a career in the field. No, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, I can, a couple of them were probably, you know, religious of whatever and had their family values, and a couple of them probably weren't, but it was just the, you know, the age factor, if nothing else. You know, people who were in their 60s and 70s don't really understand what people in their 20s and 30s are even talking about. I don't even understand what people in their 20s are talking about. You are telling me, dude. I, I, I hear you. No idea. So it would make no sense for me to set the limitations on what they should be watching, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm sure those studies on brain development and all that may have something to do with it, but... Um, as, as far as that goes, I think, I mean, I don't want to bring up how possibly advanced we were. Hey, we're smart enough to know that this is fantasy, this is real, oh, yeah. <laughs> real life is real life, fantasy is fantasy. To prevent a school shooting or whatever, fine, make, make those rules and limits, but it's up to the parents. They've got to know what their kids are watching and, you know, what they should be watching. Yeah, I think the key there doesn't even come down to like what they are and aren't watching, or even the di knowing the difference between reality and fiction. It's the it's the complete lack of respect for anything that they seem to have at this point, where anything that's not brand new and theirs is like fuck you, this is stupid, you know. That's apparent that something has gone wrong with the environment. A great many of these children, or we wouldn't have this present delinquency problem. Adults create the world children live in. And in this process, parents play the key role. When children grow up among adults who refuse to recognize anything that is fine and good or worthy of respect, it's no wonder that many of these children fail to develop high moral standards or to distinguish right from wrong. Their attitude is summed up in two callous words so what and that's you know where they get that's how those kind of shootings and stuff happen where they're like fuck all of you you're all stupid because you're not me and you know and then they just go off and do that shit whereas we would think yeah. well i'm not going to kill all these people that would be fucking stupid you know what would that do yeah. but to these guys like well i'll get on tv and i'll be in the internet and some other kids will think i'm cool and you know we didn't want to be cool that badly <laughs> Uh, no, thank I you. I wouldn't even fucking smoke a cigarette. I wasn't about to start shooting people. You know? I know, right? I mean, there there was some thought of uh, consequence and what could happen, and uh, always looming was you know a possible threat of an ass whooping. So, but even without that, even without that possible threat of an ass whooping, if you did something wrong, you know, still smart enough to know, all right, there are consequences to actions. So, all right, I'll not smoke. 
I will wear a condom most of the time. <laughs> I won't pick up a gun, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So, uh, Abby and I were talking, what do you think will be the next, uh, obviously, because you heard, right, This the movie made like over uh, $50 million this weekend. Okay, yeah, I heard it made a bunch even on the first day. I don't know where it ended up, but it should be good. Budget yes, wise. so Warner Brothers is pissed because they passed on the movie. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and so obviously it's the number one movie this weekend. So... Um, my question is, what's the next rap biopic? Ice-T. You think so? Who else? As far as, unless they they can't skip to Biggie. What about Run DMV? You know, what if they did a tougher than leather, you know? They could also jump to Tupac. The fucking guy they got playing Tupac in that movie was spot on, man. Oh, my God, yeah. And you know, the crazy thing was, I had this sense, like, seeing him in the studio listening to him and then thinking holy fucking shit you know yeah <laughs> well, is that him <laughs> well just you know snoop they fucked up he didn't look anything like snoop right yeah he sounded an act like him but he didn't have the, the face that's for sure he didn't like he acted like a slightly older version of snoop though he acted like the established snoop and not that young like you know that's true they did kind of stoned snoop you they kind of shoved the snoop like like, why are we supposed to think he walked in and wrote nothing but a G thing on the spot as a freestyle? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, well, okay, but they only had five minutes for Snoop and had to cram him into the rest, so that was cool, you know. And why do you think they portrayed Dre as always having a 40 in his hands even after he'd become, you know? Uh, I guess because he wanted it that way since he's the, the guy in charge there. Yeah, but you know, did you notice that? Like, every time he was in the, I mean, do you think he had like a, that was his way of trying to deal with an addiction problem that he had or something? Or They did say he liked to drink a lot for a while, so maybe that is that. You know, maybe it also plays off the scene in the beginning. He's like, man, I don't need a 40. Do I look like I'm thirsty? You know? Oh, well, that was easy. Right. Was, I was yeah. Maybe it's a reflection. You know, he, he's, like, you know, he's talking about, I don't need that because I'm here to do just business, and Dre's walking around holding it all the time while he's doing business. There could be something there. But. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. This, see, that's weird that this is a movie that people can actually, you know, discuss to that degree, and that's not just like, you know, that, were there any gunshots fired in the entire film except by cops that they're in the riot? <laughs> that I was, that was funny. I couldn't, you know what? Here's the other weird thing is I don't remember that going down. I don't remember that riot in Detroit. Oh yeah, I, I do remember it happening. It's a uh, that was that was big. Big news, but it didn't happen exactly, of course, like they're showing it there. But uh, I do remember that the, somebody somebody let off shots and they ran off stage during the middle of the set and stuff like that. All I remember was that. Well, what was it? Uh, where was it? Was it in? No, I'm thinking of Two Life Crew, where Dade County. Oh, what, where they got arrested? Yeah. Well, where they gave them like almost that whole same speech, right? You will not do any lascivious activity. You will not do this. You will not incite the crowd. And they went out there and said, you know what these motherfuckers just told us? Right. I don't remember. I don't remember a riot at all, per se, you know? 
Yeah, it didn't. It, it you know the way it's portrayed in there, it makes it look like there was a, a huge riot. But what there was was a, an arena full of about fourteen thousand people filing out onto that particular arena. There is surrounded by freeway, basically. So if you come out and you don't go the right path, you wind up like running across the freeway and causing havoc. Oh no yeah. shit! It looked like what people had done there was they got you know they were chasing the people the band and stuff trying to k- k- see the buses and stuff and the chaos went the wrong way so everybody followed you know. Oh. So, but yeah, that that one scene where they they're cut off and they've got the band down and like there's people up above throwing stuff down. They're basically on a freeway overpass throwing stuff down at the people on the street, and it's like they they must have used the actual location for that because it looks correct. So <laughs> I can't imagine they rebuilt that for that purpose. <laughs> but yeah we used to uh go there to see wrestling shows all the time and if you come out the, the wrong way that's where you wind up I'm like oh shit this is kind of cool but yeah we were what 14 at the time when that happened i was like man why wasn't i at that show because nobody was letting me go to that show <laughs> you know? right, right it was one of those you know that's the other thing they make it look like they were headlining it was one of those fresh fest things and there was like eight acts and nwa was maybe the second or third one on you know, so it was the, that whole show got screwed early. I think it was uh, LL. I think was the headliner that time. Mm, really? Or somebody like that. It was it was some bigger name in '89 or '90 than than them. Did you like the fact that they uh, their one big you know they had their one shot to like rip on New York rappers by having those guys you know the talent that they brought in? Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that was pretty good. I see. Uh, you know, when Ice Cube was doing the uh, America's Most Wanted stuff, and they had the you know the the Bomb Squad guys in there and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't I didn't notice at the time I was looking, but there's people in the credits credited as Chuck D and Flavor Flav, so they must have been in that scene somewhere. Huh? Or I else, would... or else they're in a deleted scene that we haven't seen yet. Okay. Yeah, because all I noticed were they were all kind of equally sized, you know. Yeah, I mean, you should be able to spot Flavor Flav if nothing else. <laughs> right. But, I mean, even just the, I mean, they all looked like what I kind of assumed the Bomb Squad looked like, you know. Right, yeah. So, yeah, that was cool. They could, that's another one. That would be a good movie. Well, that's what Abby had said. Like, the Public Enemy will be the next movie. And I'm thinking there's no way, you know. The, there's just... The audience is not there, probably. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, because it, it would be a good story, but uh, you know, like NWA has a little bit of a. I don't know. I, I find it hard to believe that there'd be enough people that would. I would be afraid of what they would do with a public enemy movie. To be honest with you. Right. Well, if it depends on who makes it too. Like the only reason this movie came out good, you know, at least true to the source, is because of the guys who made it. You know. So if you put put up, you know, Dre money, he's gonna make sure he's doing it the way he wants. So <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> like I'm a billionaire, this movie's gonna come out correct. <laughs> you know. And that's the part I loved is he he had to sneak that in at the end. You know? Oh yeah. Beats got bought by Apple for the biggest amount of money ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got, you got a billionaire, you got a multimillionaire, and you got a dead guy, and then you got MC Ren hoping for some, you know, attention. And hold on, you got and you got Yella who looks like the one dude from Hollywood Shuffle that everyone always. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, they, did, they did dick over MC Ren in, in that storyline. I was going to say, like, even more, I think the fact that someone sat him down and said, do you know that you're only going to make money off of this? You know, people were are going to go out and buy the NWA albums. I thought that they fucked DOC over a little bit. It seemed that they blew over the whole Feel It Fresh era and stuff, and then, yeah, they didn't even mention the DOC really having an album. They just said it was, you know, he, he's going to lose, lose his career because he got crushed there. But Well, not only that, but Dio, when you look at Easy es album, DOC wrote half of the songs on there. Right. Well, you notice that they didn't even mention Easy Does It? <laughs> right, right. Well, they showed the picture of the album. Yep. Uh, but but that, they, they showed it though. That could imply that like they made that way later, you know. Right, right. It's like, well, the easy does it. That's the thing we've been talking about. That was the step that got them big enough to make that NWA record so huge. Yeah, yeah. We, wanted, was, we wanted easy, you know, and, and there it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the one thing that I think that I I I think that that they retconned it enough, right? Where they yeah. almost made. I didn't even know that DLC was the stooge of Shoot Knight. I had no clue about that. I'm not sure that he was. I was going to say, because I thought that he had gotten in the accident long before all of that stuff went down. That's They show him coming in, Shook coming in way earlier than I thought, which could be true. We, he might have been there and we just never noticed or gave a shit. But uh, as far as, like, yeah, I don't think he had any connection like that. But I'd have to check that out. Right, right. So, uh, but that that was the one part that I would have loved if they. I mean, because there is a guy that lost his career because of that accident, right? Like oh yeah. Who, who knows where the DOC would have been because uh, if it weren't for that accident? And you know, um, he wrote a lot of the songs that you know. I mean, he's he wrote. DOC uh, was certainly around because he Dre was producing those Feel the Fresh records. Right, right. So he right. was there. He didn't like fly in in the middle of this shit from somewhere because he did, but that wasn't the first appearance. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like they, they left out some of the backstory to get to the point, I guess. Right. No, I, I guess just for me, like having as much respect for, you know, for DLC as I did, that's the one thing that I, I walked away from is thinking this dude deserved a little bit more than, you know, kind of like how you're a little, um, defensive on Ren, I kind of feel like my my takeaway from the movie is, is DOC deserved a little bit more because he did write a lot of Oh, movie, sure. You know? He definitely did. But uh, that's the thing. It's like uh, we have the, the rare situation where we know way too much about the source material. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right, so, right. What about this? Well, dude, you could do a 45-minute cutaway just to DOC's story and just keep adding st stuff to the movie until it's a six-hour miniseries. I would still watch it, too. Uh, I would. <laughs> totally. So we saw it in like the whitest community possible in Fairfax, California. You know, nice. there was, yeah, there was uh, I, I think there was like maybe two dozen people in the theater. Oh, uh. I there were times where I wanted to jump up and start rapping with them and stuff. You know, yeah, they should be selling like you know, you know, forties and whatever else. If we get into the concert over in the back of this place, they'd be making a fortune. <laughs> you know. Uh, so do you um? I thought that you had seen it like back in like July. For some reason, I thought that you had like a special pass or something. I did, and I went, and they had about twelve hundred people for a six hundred seat auditorium. Oh, so I got to see a bunch of his crew and Ice Cube walk past and shit like that, but denied access to the actual film. Okay, but, uh, it was they did an incredible job, especially 
considering how bad that could have been, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we saw Top of Them Leather at the theaters. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. The, uh, even uh, what's his face there, Jerry Heller, you know, people were concerned. Like, no, dude, he fell right into that. You didn't even notice it wasn't him after a few minutes. He wrote a book about that whole time. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, I've got it on my Nook library, but I haven't read it yet. But he, uh, back in the 90s, after Easy died, and Dre and Cube were both just, like, dumping on him, he wrote, like, his version of... uh, Wow. Yeah, often I that's like there's like probably you know that's probably the story of my life. There's like a billion books that I've <laughs> chosen to buy and not uh, had the opportunity to read, and that is one of them. Oh, that's cool. I have to check that out. I didn't know he did that. I'm sure it paints the picture in an entirely different view. But uh... well, I'll tell you the title of it here in a second because I'm actually looking it up now. Because <laughs> it's called those fucking. By Jerry Heller. <laughs> I'm gonna call the JDL. God, <laughs> that's the part I loved is like he's ripping on everyone else in the group, and then suddenly when he talks about Jerry Heller, he's I'm calling the JDL. This is discrimination. This is anti-Semitism. <laughs> All the people you're talking about don't know what Semitism is. God damn it. Yeah, exactly. I was laughing, though, because it's like he comes out being like the prototypical Jew, though. You know, it's like I, I, I covered myself. I didn't fuck you, but I covered myself. You know? Yeah, I like the, the there's one spot there when he's talking to Easy towards the end when they're breaking up and he's uh, and people are saying, was that a bad edit? Is there the scene repeated in the film? Because he says the same sentence almost exactly the same twice, almost back to back. I think they did that on purpose. I do too. I think he was trying to he was trying to push a script on him is what he was doing. He's he's you know trying to get easy back under control. No, I think I honestly I think that was the best way for them to not make him look. Um, I think that. I think it was on purpose because I think that was his argument for fucking him was yeah. saying, hey, I took care of myself. I made sure that I would die, you know, without – I think what he was trying to say was I made sure that I didn't die penniless and I'm sorry that you didn't do the same, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that that was literally what was going on there is that was just his his ability to uh, say that, look, I'm sorry. I, I loved you and I cared for you and – we had this awesome partnership, but you know, hey, I wasn't about to go uh, down in flames, you know. For sure, and they didn't even do—at least they didn't imply—and I never heard of them doing. They didn't do the usual stupid thing that people who get money do. They're, they didn't do the MC Hammer thing and buy a mansion, some horses, and a fleet of cars. They seemed like they bought houses, but they bought reasonable houses and they were trying to live their lives. Like. I fucking ghetto, but not you know, not becoming rich ass, you know, changing their lives into something they weren't. Right. Oh, you mean other than Dre driving a Ferrari and? Well, that was yeah. That was, <laughs> that was after Shook though. That wasn't that wasn't d- during the Jerry Heller section, you know. Right. No, I noticed that, um, like, uh, you know, uh, Dre. I think they they did a nice juxtaposition because Dre's house. When him and Easy were talking to each other, Dre's house was obviously like a mansion, right? And Easy's house was basically just a you know a nice house in the suburbs, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, that, at that point, you could tell where they were drifting further away from each other. Yeah, ruthless 
a, a memoir. That's what it's called. Nice. Yeah. So I still have the rights to this name. Fuck it, I'm using it. <laughs> That's all that I have. <laughs> yeah, man. How much different would everything have gone if a couple of people hadn't been in play, you know? Hey, you know, if Cube wouldn't have left. Hey, I know that was something I never even heard of was him you know, destroying the guy's record office with the baseball bat. I don't know anything about that story. So I don't know I, if that was completely fictionalized or if there's something to that. But the rest no, seemed accurate. So, Yeah, I, I had heard portions of that, that uh, Priority. And the, here's the weird thing is I had heard that he had to beef with Priority. Mm-hmm. And, and Lethal Injection, I thought, was supposed to come out on another label. Because for some strange reason, I had heard that he had signed with Def Jam. Huh. Yeah, maybe he had, and they you know, did the whole money shuffle thing as usual. Right. Well, what I, I, I kind of recall that what happened was is he had gone with Def Jam. Uh, that's what I remember hearing is he'd gone with Def Jam, and then Lethal Injection came out, and it was still priority, and there was something weird going on. So I had heard portions of that, you know, not that he'd gone off on that dude's, you know, studio and all that crap. Right. Well, yeah, that was, that was the same idea. The way the movie shows it, it's like, you know, I can see why he would do that. He just got out of this deal where the one thing was happening only to have the exact same thing happen again. Yeah. How do you put an end to that right away? (laughs) Right. Totally. I'll beat the fuck out of your office and maybe the next time it might you <laughs> so i liked his last thing take that out of what you owe me <laughs> yeah. yeah so that's it too how, how much do you want to like you know smack a cop after watching that movie though <laughs> at least an la cop from the 90s i don't know Holy man shit man Chuke looks a hell of a lot worse than the lapd well, did. yeah they- and the fact that you know he actually killed someone in the filming of that movie <laughs> Jeez, the guy they had playing him was pretty good too. As far as like, I didn't even question. Like, I think that is him, isn't it? Oh no, wait, it's an actor. Yeah. Yeah. No, he probably would have murdered the director if it was really him. Yeah. He might anyway. <laughs> Motherfucker, I saw that shit you said about me. Yeah. Oh my god. There must have been a point where Dre embraced that type of lifestyle, right? You know, like making money and um, not giving a shit and beating the crap out of. The, uh... he he was more Dre was always more of this you know the studio gangster as far as they always said that I and mean, that was Easy's whole thing he's like hi you know you wear lipstick and heels and then you get out there and talk about being hard you know all of a sudden Dr. Dre is the G thing but on his old album covers he was a she thing uh, you know he was more of the but but there must have been a point where he was okay with it the film did oh know, sure sure the film made him a little more judgmental of that lifestyle than I think that he possibly was, you know? Yeah, I would agree with that, too. But, uh, because you're looking at it from the perspective of 52 or whatever year old Dr. Dre instead of 22 year old Dr. Dre. Right, right. You know, if they told the same story when they were hot in the first place, it would have probably been a lot more, you know, shooting and violence and stuff and a lot less thinking and making them ever look vulnerable. There wouldn't yeah. have been a scene with Dr. Dre crying on the side of the road if they made that in 1991. No, I, I guarantee that. It's just, you know, um, they, did a, they did a pretty good job of not sugarcoating things. Um, they did, unfortunately, not 
you know, give people like Ren and DOC their due, but there were things about the film that were, you know, uh, transcendent in my mind, you know. They did an incredible job of showing, like, that era. And isn't it amazing that that era is, like, less than 30 years ago? Like, we're living in an entirely different world. Oh, yeah. I, that's, I think that the, some of the people who are younger that are seeing that might be getting that idea out of it. You know, like, wow, was this really what it was like, you know, not that long ago? Yeah. Because, like, yeah. the, like, the end of that movie is, what, like, 96, you know? It's uh, 20 years. I mean, that sounds like a lot if you're 18, I guess. 252. Are you doing any, uh, any music projects coming up? Uh, probably. I don't know. I got to do some mastering this weekend, but... Uh... That's, that's about it. I got I got a pile of things actually I have to master. I don't have any band stuff coming up that I know of though. Okay. Well, you want to come rap real quick? <laughs> <laughs> I retired so long ago. I mean. We'll do it like Mac Dre over the phone. You can just you know just rap. That'd be good. <laughs> it's gritty. It's rough. Yeah, you know I can make up some bullshit. I'm sure I could actually. Um... <laughs> After oh you know what after hearing uh, that um, experiment that you did on the last on the podcast before last how the shit's sounding so much the same with pop music and oh rap. yeah <laughs> holy shit that was a trip man that's crazy I mean it, it feels it feels like I could whip something like that up <laughs> real easy <laughs> with an easy hook. Yeah, that's it's amazing now. It's like uh, everybody I know, I said, man, we all try way too hard. You know, if we were just, and every time we go, well, we're just going to not try. We're just going to do something stupid. And we do something stupid and go, yeah, see, that worked. And then we start thinking about it and adding this to it and changing that. And then it becomes, you know. <laughs> then it becomes produced a little bit more. Yeah, so it's like there's no way around it. We're just, you know, destined to behave that way. You have to find, we need at least one dumbass that doesn't give a shit around that can be like the puff daddy of the crew, you know? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. No, no, that's good right there, man. All right, cool. I've had yeah, a couple uh -huh. people like that that I've worked for where it's like, are you serious? That's all you want is just like this bullshit? And like, uh-huh. And then they go on and sell like 8,000 of them. You're like, dude, okay, I guess you were right. And I don't know, I don't understand this at all. <laughs> yeah, God damn. See, you're uh, blessed and cursed with a uh, good ear. <laughs> oh, I still make the records I would have wanted to buy. And I used to buy some weird records, so you know, I still do. Mm, yeah, I'm saying, man like what we like so i guess that's the next project fuck it i'm gonna come up with a the dumbest song i can think of and just uh you know make up a hook it, what'll what'll end up happening is that the eventual future of music is that people will only want to hear adonis cuts and we will be the only source <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the plan that is the plan so everybody else will have to learn from us at that point <laughs> Give me a give me a topic. What's what's big out in the in the D? What do people want to hear about? Is it still big butts? Here, mostly, it's still about drugs and money and shooting people and. Uh, oh boy! Well, right, that's gonna be they do that. 
they do the horror chord thing here too. If you make a rap that sounds like West Coast about ninety two to ninety four, you'd be right in about here. Oh, okay. Well, shit, man. Hey, if uh, you want to put that horror core rap down, that uh, you know, <laughs> that I think that's a joke before, <laughs> let me know. Nice. Yeah. Well, shit. We, we always got time to do something cool like that. <laughs> Matter of fact, I do have some uh, older horror core that we did when we were really effing around. That has that really raw, gritty garage sound. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Maybe an eight track. Maybe. We, it's possible that we may have wrapped over some uh, old beats. <laughs> so, oh man. That would be awesome. That's, <laughs> we got that's the way to do it, you know? Shit. Yeah, for sure. That, that, that's how we did it, man. Now everybody wants to do, you know, edit and. You know, hardcore. Like even the people who are doing garage stuff are doing it with the same tools that the pros are. So there's no, you know, there's no experimentation there's no, going on. Yeah. Yep. And that see, that's what was so awesome about how the, the origins of hip hop. Someone fucking around and discovering how to scratch. You know, someone fucking around and discovering how to mix. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have all the tools to do <laughs> everything that people accidentally discovered. And then, well, what's what's next? What can we accidentally discover that can kind of change the game a bit? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody will figure it out. Yeah. It seems like the new thing is to put this emotion and and you know relationship they, they're R&Bing up the rap music and I don't like that at all no you know, keep those things separately it was bad enough when LL would put two ballads on every album yeah I know that's like hey uh, come on LL one ballad and we're cool okay <laughs> come on two ballads damn it alright I guess I gotta sit through this one too lucky is so good yeah too much Oh, that crap. I mean, what what was that song? Um, uh, who's the who's the little Filipino guy? Um, damn it! Uh, <laughs> this is the singer. Uh, it's real big. Wears hats all the time. If you uh, don't believe me, just watch. Like a really short dude. I mean, I, I, I kind of enjoyed his uh, his funk rendition on that song, but I don't know any of his other stuff. I just saw him perform that on SNL, and I was like, hey, this is a, kind of a cool little ditty. Not too bad. And then the next thing I know, it's like, you can't get away from the song for like six months. <laughs> oh, okay. On constant rotation. My kids are in the car, and that song is on because that's the only time when I listen to the radio, and it's just blasting out of every car driving around. I'm like, holy crap! It was, it was like that whole um, that thrift shop song all over again. Yeah, I'm I'm blissfully unaware. I know of that song at least. I I haven't heard it, but I know which one it is. It's like uh, I think because Weird Al covered it. <laughs> so, oh, did he? Yeah. Damn, I got it. All right, all right. Now I gotta hear that. Yeah, I but yeah, I don't. Uh, that was the thing I was kind of disappointed with the last Weird Al record. I'm like, well, he's doing parodies of the you know ten songs I have never fucking heard. <laughs> you know? Oh man, well, yep, now it's over. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, well, at some point my kid will start playing that stuff, and then I'll know those songs. But so far, he's he hasn't explored music on his own at all. He just wants to hear, you know, things that I already have and his video game music. Yeah, all right, well, that's cool. Now, I want to know how did you get your eclectic ear? Because, I mean, I know what we used to listen to back in the day. I don't remember uh, your mom listening to too much music, but um, no, she never never really did. <laughs> Okay, I didn't think so. But um, when it came to like old school songs like the Motowns and all that stuff, I know you're from there, but was your your family there into that stuff? Well, uh, my dad had his, you know, 60s, 70s rock collection, which was your usual Beatles, Pink Floyd, Rolling Stones, Black Sabbath kind of shit. And, uh, right. And my grandparents always had all their, you know, that was the big band and swing, and my grandpa liked James Brown, so there was all the James records and shit. So that's where the Motown and the older stuff would come from. You know, my okay. uncle liked everything that was new, new wave and pop and weird, you know, so like your Devo, Sex Pistols, Blondie and shit like that all came from there. Damn. Uh, and they all used to play instruments and stuff too. So I'd, you know, be be sitting in front of a bass amp and feeling just the bass notes while he would play along with Led Zeppelin or something. So okay, well that's the bass part. So I, you know, okay, that's the guitar part. So I, even really little, I'd see the little pieces being put together. Jeez, even back then, that's that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, my my music taste mostly came from Margie, my mom's. She would um. On Sundays, and yeah, sometimes early on Saturdays, she would just start playing the music, and that's how I knew she was cleaning the house. <laughs> she would start the records, and uh, I don't know if you ever saw her records or her 45 collection, but back then it was huge, and uh, just you know, hearing all that old school stuff was just great. It brings back a lot of good memories when I listen to like the Kiss FM and all that stuff, and. Uh, you know, all that old crap comes on. Sure. Because uh, I was hearing that. I'm like, hey, awesome. I'm at home. This is good. Mom's cleaning up. <laughs> awesome. But uh, let's see. What did my grandparents listen to? I remember seeing a couple of Red Fox records that <laughs> my, <laughs> my grandfather had. But, uh, shoot, they never really listened to music. My aunts, however, who are like, you know, 12, 15 years older than me, about 20 years older than me, they um, were into Michael Jackson and Prince and that kind of stuff. That's where I got, that's where I, I think that's where I got most of that part of my uh, music love from, too. <laughs> think of the poor, like great-grandchildren or something we are going to have, or maybe just the grandchildren. They're like, well... You know, mom really liked Miley, but you know, dad was more into Kanye. And like, oh. oh my God, weep. <laughs> That's okay. There's oh. a bunch of people that are just now like, oh, this is this NWA stuff is pretty cool. I'm gonna buy this record. I'm like, okay, you, you should try that sometime. And like in the past 20 years, it would have been an idea. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but they're gonna have a huge. Uh, they had a huge sales week for that. You know, it's like shit. People didn't have this already? What the hell, people? I know, right? This, should, this is essential. <laughs> essential, but that's it. I mean, I, you, oh, you know what's funny? My, uh, my grandparents, I remember distinctly seeing the record 
Frampton Comes Alive in their uh, collection. <laughs> nice, yeah. I think everybody had one of those. Yeah, right. <laughs> I remember uh, the, the joke about it, but I distinctly remember them having that record and me thinking, what the hell is this? This is this white guy? <laughs> and, uh, you know, flipping through their collection. You know. It's like, well, he kind of had an afro. That helps a little, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Se- 70s afro. And these hairstyles, man. Oh, my God. Shit's getting crazy out here, man. Uh, the, it's like a whole mash of everything. Everything old is with everything new now. So it, it's not like we're going through another period of something. It's just like everything is just everything now. Yeah, time has just come to a, like it exploded and now all time is one. You know? <laughs> there you go. Like you look and there's like two dudes dressed in 70s clothes and a chick dressed for the 90s. And you're like, what the hell is going on over there? Yep. I like the chicks dressed for the 90s. That part is cool. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I used to hate 70s style too back when, you know, say like 20 years ago. But now uh, I, I do dig it. And uh, it's not just a nostalgia thing, but, you know, it, it, your clothes fit. I, I went through my baggy stage out of it now. I mean, I like. I like my clothes to actually fit me. Uh, now I know what all the older guys were talking about with the whole, hey, uh, you know, pull your pants up. <laughs> we had a nice little, we had a nice little sag, maybe an, an inch or two sag on the jeans, respectable. I'm seeing people's asses now. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Oh yeah, yeah. There's some. There's always somebody too that has like the. You know, their sweats pulled down to their knees and it's mostly underwear, but they're like, no, man, my pants is up. You're like, no, dude, that's like you you have like, it's four inches below your balls is where your pants are. That doesn't count. <laughs> oh, God. I, I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. It's uncomfortable. I mean, I've walked around with my pants like under my ass before. Uh, <laughs> like I lost my belt or something and it's like, it's not comfortable. And I feel exposed. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you see, there, there was a one guy not too long ago that was it was like that had him down so far he tried to run away and fell down. You know, boof. I mean, well, what are you, how are you going to run with your pants down there? You know. <laughs> oh my God! It's one of those stupidest criminals things I saw. I said, oh yeah, see, that's pretty bad. Yeah, you deserve it. <laughs> Shoot that guy. <laughs> Fucking dummy. But you know what? I wouldn't have been for like school uniforms back in the day uh, against it. But it's like, you know, you give people a little too much freedom, they don't know how to act. I don't, well, don't want to come to the schoolyard and see somebody's ass out, you know what I mean? That's that same thing. They, 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 you know, it sounds like old man shit, but this the no respect thing again. You know, they didn't have to really tell us because we stayed within reason anyway because we weren't stupid asses, you know. Like, we got in trouble for right. Spuds McKenzie and shit like that because it was borderline, but we didn't go in with, like, fuck you written on our shirts like they can now, so. Oh, my God. Seriously. God damn. I mean, I'm I'm going to pick up my uh, kid last year uh, from kindergarten. A parent comes in to pick up her kid, and her shirt says, like, uh, open for business or something with two legs spread (laughs) (laughs) something crazy inappropriate for you know (laughs) elementary school like 
are you serious? Come on. Yeah. Come on. And I'm not, I'm not uptight, but come on. Just be smart. Yeah, and the same thing. We didn't have, you know, like you say, the pants were at least covering most of your ass. And, you know, even the girls, like, we would have been thrilled for the girls to be exposed as much as they are now, but they weren't, you know. Oh, yeah, right. And not because somebody said you're not allowed to, but because they just didn't feel the need to because we were busy looking at them anyway, you know. You cover up all you want, we're still going to look at you, so go right ahead. Right, you yeah. Know, that was the Wear a burqa. I'm, I'm still looking. <laughs> But now, now that people take, even looking, they take too far, you know what I mean? It's like, shit, that's technology, yeah. though. We didn't have the ability to go, come on, girl, send us your boobs, you know, and stuff. And, uh, I mean, the best you could do then was maybe a Polaroid, you know? <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, speaking of Polaroid, I still remember this. Uh, I, I remember walking to school in fourth grade. I'm, I'm about halfway to school. Uh, there's a group of kids that I uh, know in my class. Uh, catch up to them. They're like being kind of rowdy and stuff, walking, laughing. I'm like, hey, what's going on, guys? They're passing around a Polaroid. I was <laughs> like, oh, okay, cool. What what do we have here? <laughs> they pass it over to me. It's some guy schlong. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, what the? And I hand it back. Guy takes it uh, into school. Somehow it gets around that he's got it, and next thing you know, he's like in the principal's office and in trouble and stuff, all because he found a Polaroid of some guy's cock on the way to school. Yeah, that's always like okay. <laughs> yeah, that was that was one of the weirdest things. I mean, it's like wow, you could do that. <laughs> you could take a picture of your junk. Oh, weird. But, you know, it happened, and then you, know, you move on. It's just a funny anecdote now. So that's right. Take a Sharpie and draw, like, some sunglasses and a Groucho mustache on it and stuff. <laughs> right. Uh, I bet the, the teacher that confiscated it probably still has it to this day, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, pinned to the wall in the office. Right? <laughs> Will the owner of a penis Polaroid please show up to the principal's office? That's it for today. Stay tuned after the Adonis tag for a sneak preview of our new horror, paranormal, and weird stuff series, FNA, coming to Retro Nerds this October. We leave you today with this piece of NWA history that didn't make it into the film. Ew. Ew. Sir Jinx, no debate.
hating. Beats I cut, keep the woofers vibrating. Third to the cut, but that's alright. Cause CIA is on the mic. My posse, my posse.
Well, hey, when we do our live thing, and that was one thing at least, since it's just me and you, we can, like, I wanted to discuss a little bit about that to figure out exactly where you want to go with it. Do you want to go wherever the fuck we want to go? Just talk about whatever the hell. Is there a specific, like, oh, guideline? I, if you can, you know, that, that'll that be your subject, you know, whatever you want, and I'll follow you over there, you know? So it's, okay. up, it's up to you, pretty much. I mean, I figure right. it's like more horror and occult theme than your style, but you know, if you right. talk about parenting and fucking carpools, that's fine, too, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely the furthest thing that I want to talk about. Oh, I but... but, you know, to, to, to throw that, like, to, that, to give you the fault range from A to Z there... <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, you know, we could actually even do that. Like, like one from night. Slasher films to soccer moms. Yeah. Right. Well, it could be that's an interesting way to go about it because one show we could do a whole topic about A, and I just find a bunch of weird stories about A stories. I don't know. That start with A's. Oh, actually, by the alphabet. There you go. Yeah. Right. The Zodiac hour. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) You know, I'm no, you know, of course, I'll have to throw some paranormal shit in there because I'm actually, I've got a girl that's wanting to fly me out to fucking Utah to come and help her. Cool. I don't know. It's really cool because it's Utah, but at least it's. Well, it sucks. (laughs) And I feel so bad for her because it's a Mormon community. So it's really hard for her to get any kind of help. Oh, I'm sure. And to have anybody come in. So if she were to call a team in, like, it's got to be very discreet or she's going to get, you know, fucking persecuted to the fullest. But what happened was, and it was crazy because I was just watching an episode of Haunted Collector, which is... I love John Zaffis. He's one of my really good friends. We, he actually, we call him Uncle Johnny. Right. But he removed some items out of our house in North Carolina. <clears throat> and uh, they're in his actual paranormal barn that he has that's open to the public. You can go in and see all these possessed items and stuff that were removed from haunted <laughs> locations cool. and see them. And, like, there's some of the stuff from some of the movies that are coming out, like Annabelle and... You know, a lot of the stuff that Ed and Lorraine Warren, like, had as their collection he obtained. He's got, it's massive what he has. But they removed a shoe from, like, 1800s from this wooden board underneath the house. And when they did it, all hell broke loose in the house. Well, my friend did the same thing in her house. They found this journal from, like, the late 1920s up in their attic underneath the floorboard and they removed it and as soon as they moved it all hell started breaking loose and I'm like put that fucking thing back in place <laughs> and I'm like you need to get a Wiccan or a witch somebody that does some like witch you know somebody that can do spell binding and I'm like and you need a, somebody to come in and bless the house you have to clean the house and then you have to protect it and do like protection with the salt around the house. And she's like, how in the fuck am I going to get a goddamn witch to hair or Wiccan? And I'm like, 
I'm the only person you know. <laughs> and she's like, I'll fly you and your family and please help me. And I'm like, if, if you're willing to fly me and my family to Utah to come and help your fucking ass, I'll do it. To help her. Yeah. You know, fuck. Screw, I mean, she called me at like two o'clock in the morning and crying. So you people could help yourselves by not lifting up floorboards in attics. <laughs> like, that's number one rule. Like, even in some of the groups and stuff, I see people posting, like, they want to buy all these creepy haunted dolls offline. And I'm like, you guys are insane. Like, you're just opening Pandora's box. But then, you know, there's people that were, like, trying to get rid of a Ouija board. And I was trying to explain to the lady, I'm like... Don't burn it. But they were asking, like, the one girl wanted to sell it and stuff, and everybody was all up in the arm row. Don't you dare to touch that. Then I'm just like, you guys, like, it's fine as long as you know what the hell you're goddamn doing. But we don't know what's attached to that board. And I'm like, then you cleanse it. And if you don't want the damn board, then you bury it or throw it in water. But don't ever burn it. You don't ever burn any haunted item. And if you find a haunted item... Put it back in the floorboard. <laughs> Leave it alone. If it's like old school and it's looking like it's in like the early 1920s, 1800s, and you're like, what is this? Don't touch it. I Don't touch it. Like, I guess you wouldn't know, but I mean, if you find like, even if you were, most people, you're not lifting up your floorboards anyway, but maybe you're fixing or replacing something. So then you find a well, book that's stashed right. inside a floor. Most people don't keep books inside a floor. So there must be some reason why that was there, you know? Right. Well, that was like in our house in North Carolina when they came and did the filming through Haunted Collector. This was way after we had moved back to Michigan. But things had gotten so bad in the house after we moved out. And they finally got John to come in and help. And they pulled back the carpet of where my bed used to be. And there was satanic carvings in the floorboard. Cool. And I was like an episode of Buffy or something. It's good stuff. Yeah. And the craziest, craziest thing is, is I would have dreams of these different symbols and stuff. And I always recorded my dreams so I like like so as soon as I saw that episode, I went back in and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like I have, it just blew my mind, and I was like, "Okay, well that's awesome." But I recorded every single thing that happened in that house from day one that I walked in to the day that I left. I have a daily log of the activity of everything, and you don't know how many people are after me to write a book. Oh, we should do it. Even if we just start typing out all the crap that you talk about, it would pretty much be half a book already. So, Right. I mean, there's a guy, one friend, David, he's like insistent. He's like, I want those journals. He's like, you know, not for the possession of them, but he's like, I want you to process those. I want you to put that out there because you never know what it could do for another person and to help wise or something like that because we went through sheer terror. We even had we had to perform an exorcism on our own damn roommate. What was crazy is probably about two years ago or so, we had a pro- I had a producer from the show Paranormal Witness call me um, and ask me about the events, what had happened, because they had contacted contacted Eric and Jess um, to do our story. But Eric and Jess wanted to make sure that I was included because I was a main focus of there. Like, I lived with them. It was us three that went through it. 
Yeah. You know, Emerson didn't come in until towards the end. Um, but he was still there through it. But And uh, he asked me a bunch of questions and stuff like that. And he said he was supposed to get back to us. And we never heard anything about it. So... I don't and know. then the paranormal activity movies started coming out. That bastard. <laughs> well, the first one dropped while we were in the midst of like the craziness in our house. Yeah, I remember and that. me and me and Jess went and seen it, and we were just like sitting there going, "Are we watching our lives right now?" Like, I mean, it didn't get to the extreme as it did in the movie. As far as like, you know, the lady getting possessed and like getting thrown across the room and stuff, but and the Ouija board burning on fire, but just the overall feelings that it made the lady was how she was walking around like all depressed and doped like that, that would happen to us. And it would do fucked up shit and noises and growls and we would see like little gremlin shadow figures running into the closet and just oh my god frank shit would be moving all over the house and there was there was several things within the house that were you know that wasn't just one major thing but then we eric was kind of conducting some of the energy and manipulating some of the things within the house because him and his wife were having marital problems and it seemed and it seemed like any time that um, the activity would like flare up, it would pull them together. So, you know, we would, of course, because, you know, we have to stay together when shit's going down like that, because number one thing, if you're getting attacked by a demon or anything like that, it's going to try to outsource one person and it'll try to pin the other people against each other to isolate that one specific person. So we tried to stay as close as freaking possible the whole ice yeah there was it ended up isolating them it got to eric but there would be times there frank like literally like emerson and i still to this day i'll have nightmares where i can remember him sitting in the chair and just all of a sudden he would like he was sitting there talking and then he just like collapsed and like like fell asleep and we were like are you all right eric and like just kind of shook him or whatever and he like w- like slowly like woke up and his eyes were black as black <laughs> i've never seen anything fucking like that and he was like he got a little bit paler and he didn't say anything he just got up walked downstairs and started like making all these weird concoctions crushing like herbs and stuff together and like walked around the house and started burning it and we were like, what the fuck is he doing? And then he got upstairs and we tried to snap him out of it. And he finally snapped out of it. And then all of a sudden we looked down and we're seeing scratches appearing, going up his legs, down his arms. We were just like, what the fuck? We're getting out of this fucking house. And literally Emerson booked a hotel for a week. For us, get the fuck out of the house. We got the kids out of the house. We got the fuck out of the house. (laughs) We were just like, we got to regroup and figure out what the fuck we're doing. What I'm like, I'm sitting here like, I just came from Detroit, like to hunt some ghosts. I wasn't ready for some motherfucking exorcist and shit. I didn't know I was gonna be going down the rabbit hole. (laughs) (laughs) 
the fuck, man, Frank? That was some crazy shit. Them two were fucking crazy. Yeah, some Ghostbusters, man. <laughs> or at least a little midget lady with a foreign accent. That would be cool, too. What was her name in the movie? In the movie? Tangina. Yeah. Tangina. That's right. And didn't she have a weird... She had a weird name anyways, the real though, name I thought. Was Zelda, yeah. Which which was weirder uh, back then than it was after 25 years in Nintendo, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I always loved her character. I just loved her. She was cool. She didn't. She was around for a long time. She like, even. I think she only died maybe five or six years ago. Because I saw her show up in something like holy shit, you know. Because she still played the same around. character over and over. Right. That was her thing, you know. I guess that's what she really did before the movie. So that's, that's, that's pretty right. cool. <laughs> maybe it wasn't what she really did, and she just got known for that one role so hard that she did it from then on. But well, she did it good. Yeah, I finally voiced my opinion upon something because one of my friends decided to um, make a retarded statement. (laughs) And I was was just like, okay, no, I'm going to educate you because um, I know it from living the lifestyle, not from a book. And she basically, my girlfriend Casey, like, posted a little meme about, like, pagans and Wiccans or whatever. And it was a cute little meme. And I get it, but my friend Amanda was just like, all Wiccans are witches. And I'm like, crack, snap, you just opened the can of worms. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, "Um, no, sweetie pie, no, they're not all witches. That's not true. And I just basically, I was very nice about it. I wasn't being malicious or a bitch. I was coming from actually living the lifestyle i've been doing it for 10 years now i've been in covens i've been a practicing wiccan you know i am a witch but the meaning of witch that i am aware of isn't the same meaning as most people are perceived of most people perceive witches as people that cast spells and you know ride on brooms or whatever the fuck (laughs) they think they do but I was told by the basically headmaster of the fucking United States, who is the main warlock. His name's Christian Day. Um, he yeah, I is. That guy. You, yeah, have you heard of him? I, he was on your show a few times show? when I yeah. was doing the show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Um, he was in Salem. Now he's in New Orleans, and he's taking over, like, being the head person there in New Orleans, and trying to get the whole pagan community going and everything like that but he was the first person to educate me on what truly is which what 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 is a witch and what is witchcraft and what is this and what is that and his meaning was anybody with a heightened sense of intuitive or a psychic or a person that just is of knowing things that is what a witch is it's not a person that casts spells and does harm upon others. We are loving spiritual people, you know, that's what a witch is. And that's what I was explaining to her. And she was just, you know, was just like, where are you coming from? And where blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, um, she's like, I never said that all Wiccans were witches. And I copied and pasted it and was like, yes, she did. And she was like, well, I was just trying to explain to my mom that not all witches are bad. And I'm like, Oh. oh, I was like, I just want to punch you in your head right now. And I'm like, Amanda, 
I was like, sweetheart, I'm like, I've even invited you out on many occasions to come to group meetings to learn about it, to come to rituals where you can see for yourself what we do. It's not like we're sacrificing animals or anything like that. We're just basically celebrating the Sabbath to us, you know, which is holidays to like Christmas and everything else. You know, we do our own as well. And sometimes it's just a party and then we'll do like a little gig and that's that, you know, but people have their perceptions and their judgments because of books or society and instead of, you know, just listening to what I was saying, she got defensive. And, and I was just like, well, I wasn't trying to, you know, be a bitch, but don't be spouting your mouth off about something that you're reading from a book when you haven't lived lifestyle, basically. <laughs> and then in the morning, she woke up to be a toad. Right? <laughs> no, you know, but then I did. I was just like, bitch, don't be fucking with the witch. But I have had somebody put a hex on me before, and it took me, it, they, um, the bitch that I lived with in, uh, in Boston, the one that I was doing the show with, alongside with Sepia, um, she put a hex on my ass when I moved away, and I think she put it on basically me, but it fucked with all of us. And we actually had to have somebody come in and, like, remove it and do this I had to do this weird fucking ritual at least I didn't have to cover myself in like chicken blood and you know <laughs> dance around and stuff but I had to do this weird thing in front of the mirror and all this other stuff and oh yeah I was like okay why am I doing this what the, what the fuck am I doing why don't I just believe in God <laughs> I'm just gonna go to church <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have another friend who does it. You know, her thing is all about like, you know, loving the earth and the animals the earth, and nature. And exactly. she does protection spells and things like that. Yeah. But she doesn't do like bad things to people. No. She does nice things I, for people. Yeah, exactly. I, I'll do, you know, bindings of houses and stuff because I'll do that within the paranormal field. And, you know, I'll make sure I seal off the house. I'll seal off the yard. And it's all with witchcraft. And... But it's not, you know, having to use anything specific. It's basically with just a spell that you read and intent behind it. And then you draw some you know, pagan cross and you can leave stuff there behind. But usually you have some concoction of some sorts. But we just had a bad experience with my girlfriend and her, the coven that I was a part of. And thank God, I wish I would have been there that night, but I, I guess for something happened, but they tried to summon up a fucking demon <laughs> and, and they used her as the transporter, like to, to bring the demon into the house. And the theory behind this is the high priestess of the coven thought that it like would be smart to get the demon out of the house by bringing another demon in. <laughs> it's just like and my girlfriend that decided to use her body as the vessel to bring this demon into the house to summon up she's a paranormal investigator so she knows that that wasn't the right thing but the high priestess had her so brainwashed that she did it and I guess it fucking almost killed her 
Well, that's like, not, not something you should probably. <laughs> I was so pissed when I found out. Like, I still, if I see that fucking bitch, I'm going to punch her in her head and be like, are you fucking stupid? Like, that stupid shit like that that gives the, you know, the witchcraft the bad name, but. Plus, what if the two demons had found themselves attracted to each other? Now you have a house full of demon babies. The demon. <laughs> you got demon babies being born and spreading the hatred. Like and an entire sitcom in this hole right here. You know? Oh, it could turn into that. Ah, uh, uh, Donna, pull yourself together. <laughs>